Good morning. We can talk through the masks as well. Good to see you. Welcome. And those who are tuning in with us, wherever you are, you're really, really welcome. Um, we had um, a lovely celebration of Eucharist uh, here this morning at 10 o'clock. So you might be following on. You might have had your tea break and following on with us. My name is Lawrence Gallagher. I'm a Redemptorist priest and in charge of coordinating parish missions in Ireland and please God with COVID we'll go um, uh, connect with them again when things open up a little bit more but one of the great things about the internet is it's opened up new bridges of connection with us and for us and even there during Holy Week I was able uh, to give a a parish mission a, a tridium in um, a church in Dublin and it was able to be broadcast to three parishes so there's all kinds of possibilities and I know that, that many of you um, um, throughout your parishes and communities uh, have utilised that internet, it's really important and it offers us a great bridge to one another so we've been exploring discipleship um, and with Father Seamus yesterday and with myself at the 10am And now I'm just going to share with you uh, just a a short sharing, a little bit of um, some of the reflections uh, and prayer that I've been doing around discipleship. I really believe that uh, a good talk or a good sermon is, is not just about the talk or the sermon. It's inviting those who are listening into their own story and narrative and into their own value system. And, and so it's not so much, obviously, uh, what we say has an input into that, but that's not the prime function of it. The function of it is to invite you. So just invite you, if you find yourself going into your own thoughts and reflections during this, that's okay. And maybe you need to, to go with that as well. Being a disciple of Jesus today, a call to living in discipleship with others as best we can. So I'd like to start with a question. What does discipleship mean for you? You personally. You as a baptized person. Laity, religious, priests attending this retreat online, whoever you are. Strong in faith, weak in faith. Let's be honest. For many of us, sometimes the great danger, I think, is not that we will renounce our faith. You're here at this retreat. You're connecting at this retreat. You've been celebrating with us at this Eucharist. It's not, the great danger is not always that we will renounce our faith. It's that sometimes, as his disciples, we become so distracted and preoccupied or a bit just disconnected from it that sometimes any of us and all of us settle for a mediocre version of it. I think that discipleship is a state of being. It's about how we try to live 
not just the decisions we make, not just the things we believe, but as, as Rowan Williams, I have tremendous uh, respect uh, for um, his, his, his thinking and, and, and his writing. And as Rowan Williams, the former Archbishop of Canterbury, um, has reiterated, discipleship needs to be a state of being. In the beginning of John's Gospel, the two disciples of John the Baptist come to Jesus and they say to Jesus, Rabbi, where are you staying? And Jesus replies, come and see. And the disciples stay with Jesus for the rest of the day. The bottom line is that discipleship involves a staying. A staying. Not just an automatic functioning. A commitment to a community. To try to live and to struggle as best we can with a particular brand of values inspired by the person of Jesus. Later in John's Gospel, Jesus uses a similar word to his disciples. So this is the master, this is the shepherd talking to his disciples, requesting them, as he says to them, abide in me. It's an interesting word, abide, isn't it? It reminds you, obviously, of the hymn that, that we, we sing in church at, at funerals oftentimes. And, and sometimes just when we have one experience of a word, it, it kind of paralyzes us to, to stick just with that understanding of the word. But just kind of take that word out and just put it in front of you now. Abide. So Jesus says to the disciples, abide with me. And they, they might be saying to themselves, but we're here. <laughs> we're here. We're already here. Men, community and religious life, 20, 30, 50 years more. I'm here. I've turned up. Am I abiding? Ah, no, says Jesus. Right in this moment, all you need to do is abide. But you need to figure out for yourself, what does that abide mean for you as his disciple? Are you surviving? Are you hanging in there? you struggling let's be honest tough time to be a disciple of Jesus in the Ireland of today no matter who you are abide in me he says to you his disciple abide in me abide in my love so notice what he says there. Abide in me. And that means abide in my values. Are you actually living those values? Are you abiding in my love? Are you loving as I'm loving? In other words, a disciple is not a part-time role occasionally turning up. Discipleship goes beyond its Greek root of the word, 
meaning being a student. It's not just about kind of blindly following the master. Rather than, I think it's a call to a relationship that is never ending. And that's uncomfortable. It continues. The disciple is one who is absorbing a particular way of being that evokes a desire within the heart and mind of that person. To the gut of that person. To share and, and to impart to others as best they can the grace that they have themselves already received. So discipleship is a calling and an invitation to follow the Lord. Even though, let's be honest, we rarely know where it leads us to. The Bible is a great spiritual and human treasure trove of stories and encounters. And from God's covenant relationship with Abraham and Sarah to the many encounters of Jesus, inviting and calling all kinds of people to follow him into a personal relationship. I think that discipleship seems to always have been the spiritual and the human glue that God uses to connect us to him and to one another. And I think it's fascinating how God connects to us by calling each of us in completely different ways. You see, this is why your vocation story is very important, whoever you are. And the sadness is that when I say that, so many of the baptized feel that's about priests and nuns. The vocation story, or how two people met and fell in love with each other, is so beautiful and important to hear. You see, when we hear the story of how each of us was and is being called by God, then you find yourself actually moving beyond that automatic pilot that we do at homes, in our families, in our relationships, in our parishes, if you're a diocesan priest, whatever, if you're in a religious community. You know that automatic pilot that we find ourselves on? And sometimes we really need to re-engage with that story that, that, that called us and that actually is still calling us to a life of discipleship with each other. Of Gods and Men is an intriguing movie. If you ever get a chance to get your hands on that movie, to watch it, uh, it's a true story. Uh, about some French Trappist monks who leave the comfort of their monastery and country in France to set up a new community in an isolated part of war-torn Algeria. Now, the monks, they're not there to proselytize. They are there to be. Remember that state of being, discipleship, a state of being? See, we get obsessed, and I'm very guilty of this, by the way, my, my own personality type, you know, doing, functional doing, you know, and I'm learning from my mother with Alzheimer's. She is evangelizing me constantly over these last nine years since she's been diagnosed. She, she, she really is evangelizing me to stay, to be in that moment, to be in that presence. 
So the monks, they're not there to proselytize. They, they, they're there to, to witness. And sometimes that's boring. And sometimes that looks as if that's not making a difference. It is. And they're doing it alongside an Islamic community. Praying and living as the people are doing themselves in their culture in common together themselves while also providing medical and practical support for their Islamic brothers and sisters. It's a powerful scene in that movie when a young teenage Islamic girl is sitting on the monastery garden, garden wall, you know, and she's chatting with a 70-something-year-old monk, and the girl suddenly asks the monk, she says, have you ever been in love? Yes. A couple of times, the monks replied. And then I found an enduring love. And I answered that call, that invitation. Ah, it's been a while now, over 50 years. So what about you? What about you? What about you? You're calling to discipleship. As a baptized person, as a member of a religious community, as a priest, monastic community, whatever it is, how did God call you? When was the last time you engaged with that memory? That's sacred. How did you respond? And what about now? Right now? How is he calling you right now? How are you responding right now? And can you join the dots from when he first called you? to where you're at right now. My story has its origins in the Irish National Lottery. Have you ever played the lottery? For those here present, put up your hands. You're allowed to put your hand up a little high. <laughs> well, my father enjoyed finding creative ways to picking the elusive numbers. And that particular week, the lotto had reached Two million Irish pounds, 1990. My father came up with the brainstorm idea of a kind of a spinning top. He wants to find a different way, you know, so to get those elusive 36 numbers as they were at the time. And he got a round beer mat and he flipped it onto the blank side and he got a, a pointer and pierced the middle and he created a kind of a spinner atop. Do you remember those? And he duly instructed me, a then gawky 17-year-old, uh, to spin and pick the numbers. So he went off to the shop, played a lotto, and being a very Irish story, and a true one, by the way, he stopped for a pint of the black stuff before going to the store to be informed by the girl behind the counter, I'm sorry, sir, it's just gone 8 o'clock, it's too late. Well, you can figure out the rest of the story. Our numbers came up all six of them. I was so delighted only to discover that my father failed to actually play the lotto that night. After getting over the shock, we joked with my father that his pint was probably the most expensive pint of Guinness ever. Life goes on. That state of being goes on. Discipleship goes on. And God's invitation for any of us to respond to his call is always continuing. 
Some months later, I answered the phone to a seminarian with the Redemptress who had received my number from a mutual friend who was certainly not interested in religious life, and he basically put him on to me to get him off his back. I was invited to, like those disciples, like you, whoever you are, through your baptism, through your religious calling, through your priesthood, I was invited to a come and see weekend. And the rest, as they say, is a continuing history. So what if, what if we'd won that lotto? We would have probably moved house. I wouldn't have received that phone call. And life, who knows, may well have gone in a completely different direction. Yet, ultimately in the beginning, even though I wasn't seeking it, I freely responded to that come and see invitation, to that stay moment. Do you remember what I was talking about? That stay moment with the disciples, which the disciples were also invited to by Jesus. So looking back spiritually, I was actually, if I think about it, I was really discerning to see firstly who the Redemptors were and secondly if I could find my place of discipleship with it. And just like Jesus, after spending time in relationship and discipleship with him in ministry, we discover in chapter 15 of John's Gospel that even after all that time, the disciples were realizing that building discipleship is a never-ending process. Scripture tells us that Jesus had to keep reminding them again and again to the constant invitation to abide in Christ's love. In other words, we never reach an end point on building community and discipleship with each other. No matter if you're 50 or 60 years in religious life, most of the community here are in their 70s, 80s, and many of them 80s and 90s. Religious life doesn't go with years. It goes with the moment, the present moment, I believe. And sometimes we need to remind ourselves of that in our own communities and in our pastoral relationships, and in our families, in our friendships, Otherwise, there's a real possibility that in living, our discipleship can become dry and frozen and stagnant. Do you know what would be a really good... I'm going off script right now for a moment, deliberately. Do you know what would be a very interesting exercise, particularly for some of us who are religious? Who's a member of religious communities? Just put up your hands. Is there anybody members? Okay. A very interesting dynamic would be for us, I think, would be inviting other people to come into our communities, to live with us, and to share what they see and they experience. I think they would experience some beautiful things. I also dare to say that they would open our eyes 
to some of our frozen and stagnant discipleship and authenticity as genuine disciples of Christ. Timothy Radcliffe, a former general of the Dominicans, believes that the church would have more church, inverted commas, institution, wider notion, would have more credibility with our wider world if we all focused on sharing the message that freedom is at the heart of our evangelization as disciples of Jesus. Often the world, what do you think about this? Often the world can understandably look cynically or experience personally at people, leaders, clergy, religious. They can look at us or they can experience us sometimes, sometimes, as maintaining a repressive institution which is constantly telling them what they must do and do what they want and must do what they don't want to do. I want to share a story I came across. It's a true story. A mother brought her child to see Mahatma Gandhi. And she was worried her daughter was becoming addicted to sweets, candy. And asked the wise religious man to persuade her, her, her daughter to learn moderation. Gandhi asked the mother to take the child away and to come back in three weeks' time, which she did. Then Gandhi talked and persuaded the child to ease down on taking so many sweets. At the end, the mother asked, but Muhammad Gandhi, I want to ask you something. I came to you three weeks ago. Why did you not say that to my daughter three weeks ago? And Gandhi replied, looking straight into her eye, eyes, because three weeks ago, three weeks ago, I was addicted to sweets and candy. I find myself slowly learning in community living that discipleship with my fellow religious and people I minister with and to benefit when I, they benefit more when I am aware, when I'm staying in the moment. We're not always good at that. And working on what we need to be liberated from or whatever holds us captive in the situation we find ourselves in. You see, it's then that any of us as disciples of Jesus can witness in a more authentic and free way. I'd like to just invite you, those here present and those who are tuning in uh, throughout Limerick and Ireland and the world, I'd love to, to invite you to consciously in the, sometime in the next couple of hours, if you can, to, to, to go to a different space, if, if that's possible. 
Now maybe it's, you know, it's going to be within your own home, and that's okay. Maybe it's going into the garden. You know, maybe it's just, just find somewhere, uh, maybe where you don't often go to. And just, uh, if you can do it outside of nature, all the better, but wherever you can, <laughs> even if it's going into the bathroom, that's okay. And turn off the phone. And if you're inside, light a candle or incense, whatever way uh, helps or induces you to be in the moment, in the present. And I just invite you to get into a comfortable position and to begin to, to gently close your eyes and just get in touch with your breathing in your way. And begin to relax your mind and your body and your heart, your soul. Begin to free your mind a little bit. And just as you're breathing out, just consciously give your mind and body and soul permission to release, to release what it needs to release. Maybe there's unease, maybe there's negativity, there's cynicism, there's hurt. Maybe it's all wrapped up together and you don't know how you're feeling. But just release it out and breathe it out. And as you breathe in, breathe in God's grace and God's peace, God's light. Use your words. And just imagine yourself walking on a beautiful beach, your favorite beach with a relatively clear blue sky. It might be Ireland, so there's a few clouds about. That's okay. And just walk on that beach. And as you're walking, I invite you just to begin to think about a moment that you felt God was really close to you. And just stay with that. And if that leads you, if that's where you need to just stay for, for that period of time, whatever is good for you, or if that might lead you back to reminiscing about an important spiritual moment in your life, if you're a religious or a priest, it might be your calling. It may not be. It may be something else. Uh, if you're married or single or in, in relationship, whatever, just a moment when you just really felt God was close. God was calling you. And just stay with that and just see those interactions, those memories. Feel free. But just see where that leads you. And then when you're going to bed tonight, bring that to your prayer. Bring the feeling of that to your prayer and just offer it. Don't overanalyze it. So may the Lord bless us and strengthen us 
and guide us to be open to the continuing ways that Jesus asks us, invites us, beckons us, challenges us to stay and to abide in and with him. Let's finish with a prayer. It's my favorite prayer as a child. It still is my favorite prayer, and we all know it. So those of you at home and those here present, let's pray it. Can I invite you just to take your mask down for a moment? Is that right? And let's just say that prayer nice and loud together. O angel of God, my guardian dear, to whom God's love commits me here, ever this day be at my side, to light, to guard, to rule and guide and abide. In the name of the Father, Son and Spirit. Thank you very much and enjoy your day. The uh, Blessed Sacrament will be exposed at 12 until 1 o'clock. You're welcome to come uh, or tune in to as little or much of that as you like. And you might bring some of those thoughts with you to that blessed hour together. And then 4 o'clock, uh, we're back again. Is that okay? So enjoy your day.